This episode is dedicated to Cookie O'Neill. We love you and we miss you. Hello, beautiful people. I am back with another episode of Just My Thoughts with Mel. Today, we are talking about domestic violence. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence website, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. This equates to more than 10 million men and women. One out of four women and one out of seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Today, I want you to help me welcome my guest, Evelyn Hemphill, who is a domestic violence overcomer and advocate. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for taking this opportunity out to educate us, to enlighten us. This is a, um, a topic that we don't hear often. Um, we hear it during the month of domestic violence awareness, but after that, it seems it goes silent. And so I wanted to take this moment for you to share your story in the midst of talking about um, the signs of domestic violence, the strategies to get out, and then what supports are out there and what supports did you use? Um, so let's start with the signs. Do you feel like the signs were there or do you feel like there was a plan in action so you couldn't really see the signs? Like there was an agenda when you met. There's an old cliche that says love is blind and my love was blind. Mm -hmm. The signs were there, but I kind of sort of ignored them. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. And was it um, because he was doing all the right things and he was saying all the right things? He was saying all the right things and pretending to do all the right things until we got deep into the relationship. Mm -hmm. So if you could give us maybe the top three signs that you knew something was off, what would that be? Number one, controlling. Mm -hmm. Number two, not being able to tell the truth about anything. Mm -hmm. And number three, when you're bringing things to a person's attention and they just totally ignore it, mm -hmm. that's just a lack of respect. And yeah. they don't, no boundaries. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Is there another sign that you want to highlight um, before we get into it? I believe someone that is not capable of showing empathy, that's a huge sign mm -hmm. because I feel like that could be a dangerous individual. Yeah. So that's a big sign. Yeah. That was a big sign for me. Okay. Um, I wanted to know in the, um, in the, the phase of you all dating, um, getting to know each other, was there ever a point where someone pointed it out to you and you didn't want to believe it. Someone that used to date that person was telling someone about how that person was, but I try to be non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. I was a little naive at the time, mm -hmm. and I really should have listened. Yeah, because I feel sometimes when we are in a, a new relationship, you're excited about it, you... Um, you don't really want to hear anything that is opposite of how you feel in that moment, in that relationship. And so sometimes it can be difficult for someone to be like, 
yeah, I heard something about, you know, the, the guy you're talking to or the woman that you're talking to. Are you sure? Or how is th- how are things going? And to some of us, it could feel like they're prying, right? And so we feel like it's my business. I don't have to go into that conversation with you. And now that, you know, we're dating, a lot of us are dating in private, because we feel like, you know, I don't want social media to know who I'm talking to. So I'm gonna keep my business to myself. And that, do you feel like that could be probably the most dangerous way of going about it? Um, is wanting to be private, wanting to be closed off for just for the sake of, I haven't dated in a, in a while or I'm getting up in age. So I really want to like keep, keep this relationship close to me and not have any other voices trying to be negative. Cause that's our first thought. We think that as soon as someone asks about our relationship, that they're going to pry in the sense of they want to point out faults and not really encourage it. So um, do you think that's a setup in today's world um, that we might be, we might need to change basically? In today's world, that's definitely a setup. Yeah. Because someone could really be telling you the truth about this person that you're dating. And if you don't listen, yeah. it may be detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Empathy is a big one. Um, I would like to ask it, had you met his family or someone close to him to get an idea of his character? Well, being that I'm a domestic violence overcomer two times, mm-hmm. I was younger mm-hmm. the first time. And the second time I was older in a marriage. Well, I had met families and stuff and I kind of knew the reputation of the first person. Mm-hmm. But back then, I liked bad boys. So that was my, that was a downfall. I think we all were there (laughs) at some point. Yeah, yeah. And then the second time, I saw some huge warning signs because even some family members, the person could be wrong, but they would still hope, say that they're upright. So I did see warning signs, plenty of them. Yeah, yeah. And the family members were rooting for him versus highlighting the negative. Well, today, that's that's correct. But today, in today's world, and it should have been like this many years ago, mm-hmm. if you don't live with a person, you don't know their personal habits. Mm-hmm. You don't know their personal business. So right. try not to be judgmental, jumping on people's sides when you don't know the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely agree. Um, I also wanted to ask about um, at the point of getting married, where the was were the signs coming out even more in that engagement phase, or do you feel like um, it was kind of good and it wasn't nothing really um, standing out until it got closer to the wedding date? put it like this I kind of got played because when the engagement happened everything was all hunky-dory perfect and it I felt the sense of rushing Mm. as I look back on the situation like maybe this person sent the representative and they Mm. could try to you know try to let that representative go forth yeah but they were really somebody else yeah it was a very rushed situation yeah and how many months were you married? 
embarrassing to say I did not know the person long within a year's time yeah yeah and I I wanted to ask that question because there are people out here who are getting married quickly right and so um it's not abnormal um some people are getting married within three months within six months and so it was important for me for you to share the signs so that someone can't piggyback off of an actual God-ordained marriage that happened quickly and then try to assimilate that because that's what the enemy does, right? It mimics uh, it mimics the kingdom of God all the time. And so there's men out here who know that women who are saved, going to church, minding their business, yes, they are looking for a husband, but um, they are playing off of their vulnerability. They're playing off of their desires. And so to meet someone and then want to be married in six months isn't abnormal, but someone who is abusive will take that and run with it. And so I wanted to do this particular uh, podcast just to warn ladies and men to please stay prayerful. Always let the people around you meet who you are talking to. Um, and then keep your eyes open. Like she said, she had her eyes closed to a lot of things. Please pay attention to everything. Let the Holy Spirit give that check in you to say something is off, something is wrong. Um, and if you just want to slow down, right, um, that's a thing too, just to s- slow everything down. You don't have to rush to the altar. Um, I want to talk about the strategies, right? Um, did you feel like at some point you were stuck or did you feel like, I have a game plan off top. I already know where I'm going to go and I'm out. I stayed stuck for a minute. I stayed stuck for a minute because not saying that money is everything, but what people fail to realize when you are married, Mm -hmm. certain situations come up and it's not like that you can just drop everything and walk away which Mm. now to this day I wish that that's what I would have done yeah I made a mistake not doing that but credit plays a factor in that a support system do you have money saved up Mm -hmm. do you have anywhere to go Mm -hmm. can you pay legal fees Mm -hmm. do you have any help with children if they're involved yeah so there's a lot of dynamics yeah that are part of the situation of getting out. It's just not like you can just, oh, I'm gone. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm gone. Yeah. Or something like that. So there's a lot of dynamics that I believe the public is blind to. Yeah. When it comes to situations like that. And sometimes you may just be afraid. That's true. Because we're, for us looking from the outside in, we're like, just go. And you're saying to people, if you're married, it's not that easy Um, Even if you weren't married, sometimes it's not that easy to just pick up and go, especially if the finances aren't there. If you have children who are in school, uh, babies, um, all of these things go into play. If you have your own vehicle, because some may not. So then how do I leave? Who do I confide in? All of those things go into play. And then finances absolutely probably are the the biggest concern. 
because do I have money to go to a hotel? Do I have money to pay for gas to even get to a friend's house? How are we going to eat? Um, I still have to keep my cell phone on at least if I don't do anything else. So all of these things uh, matter, especially if um, they were the breadwinner and you were the stay-at-home mom. So you don't have resources. Um, you don't have finances to reach out to right off top. Um, so interject yeah, go ahead. One, I think even when you get married, you should never lose yourself. Mm. And sometimes it's not really good to be a stay-at-home mom because if something happens, where are your finances going to come from? Yeah. It takes some money. Yeah. To fight in the system. Civil courts, is, that means the money. Yeah. And if you don't have any, what are you going to do? Yeah. What can you do? Uh, the lawyers have to be paid. Court fees have to be paid. And that is definitely something to consider. Um, how did you how did you get to that point of putting together a strategy? It just got so bad. I really I was contemplating and it just got so bad that I said that I believe someone is going to get hurt. So it's time for me to go. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of left the wrong way. I let that situation control my actions, mm. which I should have kept my cool and handled it in a different manner, but it just became overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So you were able to leave um, did you ever go back or once you left, that was it? In my situation, my child got left behind. Yeah. Because of some misrepresentation. So, of course, if that person has something, your child, mm. you're going to consider maybe trying to be cordial with that person, but it became impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my personal situation. Yeah. Yeah. Having to uh, try to be cordial and considering your child and not wanting them to be affected by it. Um, that is definitely difficult. When you look back over that time span um, and trying to fight for your child, how long did it take? Do you recall? This was a 14-year fight, 14 years, wow. and a lot of money. Yeah. a hundred. I would say over $100,000. Yeah. Because that's what I spent right. was $100,000. I don't know how much the other party spent, but right. Right. I feel like some lawyers went, they went to the bank kind of happy Yeah. because of that situation. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to talk about, um, we'll get to supports in just a moment. Um, I wanted to talk about the legal side um, because we we feel as though, you know, if the children are involved, oh, you just go to court and settle it there. But you're saying that the courts did not do what they were supposed to do. I was misrepresented mm -hmm. in court. Yeah. So I had to become a pro se litigant. That's a person that represents themselves. Yeah. Even after all this cash was spent, 
I had the results of doing that. Yeah. And so you're looking for genuine help. You're looking for those who are supposed to be professionals in the field of law um, and being misrepresented and not really having someone fight for you. But that paycheck is clearing. Um, That can definitely be frustrating. And then to the point where you have to represent yourself, um, the ball was dropped. And so there is uh, room for improvement with the system. They have failed. Um, It's not broken. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It is there as a shell of assistance, a shell of um, hope of victory and it may help for some in this particular situation it did not um so when we talk about strategies we are talking about family members being involved um or ways that we can ourselves get get out of a situation that we feel is no longer healthy for us were there family members that you could confide in in that moment very few Mm. Because nowadays, Mm -hmm. the reality is that's not my business. I'm not getting involved. So a lot of that happened. And even personally, I was questioned by a family member asking me, was this stuff really happening? Wow. So, yeah, that wasn't good at all. Yeah. We need to get back to family. I would definitely agree. In this society. Yeah, absolutely. that's very important. Yeah. And you've known that person all your life. So for them to sit in your face when you're telling them what's happening and they're questioning it, it's like, so who do I go to now? Because I thought I could confide in you and now I'm being questioned. But I had some close friends and just two other family members that stood by my side the whole time. One family member helped me rear my son. Yeah. I would drop my son off at their house and go to work mm-hmm. and pick him back up in the summertime. So yeah. they helped me raise him. Yeah. For many years. God when bless I was going him. Through that situation. Yeah. God bless and, him. And I would recommend also, even if it's a just just a good friend, tell somebody what's going on because when everything goes down. If you don't have a real person that can attest to this happen on this date, yes, I know that happened on that date, you'll be fighting against the system. Yeah. Yeah. And we always thought, it's it's often said that when it comes to custody of a child that the mother always wins. What is your take on that? That's not true. Yeah. It's not true. It wasn't true in my case. And I have never been proved to be an unfit mother Mm. or anything. My parenting skills had nothing to do with the marriage. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's documented. Even when I didn't have custody of the Mm. the child, I was taking care of the child. And I have paperwork to prove that. And paying child support at the same time for many years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to um, now you're out of that home, you're out of that environment, um, 
Did you have to ensure that no one gave out information of what, where you were or what you were trying to do so that he wouldn't know where you were or bump into you somewhere or um, be able to stop your process legally or try to block it, basically? Did you have to com be concerned about that? I was very concerned because this case was heard in Chester, South Carolina. And I was just an open book to this person because I, I lost the case. I was losing the case mm. the whole time. Yeah. So I had no nothing documented yeah. the whole time until 2018 when I became a pro se litigant. Wow. So every time I tried to get help, it's like I was being made a mockery. And it's like I was lying about everything. Mm. But then God allowed me to become a pro se litigant and everything was filed in the court. That's why to this day, I'm using social media as a platform mm -hmm. and I'm still waiting for one person to come to me and say, you're not telling the truth about this. You're not telling the truth about that. No one has showed up wow. because I'm telling the truth about everything yeah. and it's documented. Yeah. So glad you have everything documented. Was there ever a time where your previous lawyers said, this is what we have on file, we're willing to give it to you so you can represent yourself, or you had to go back and write out everything, document everything yourself? I had to go to Chester, South Carolina one day, go through the file to see what was going on, most of the instances that were happening were not in the file. Wow. So I had to do a lot of investigating and I just had to start all the way back over mm. from what these people did not do. Yeah. That I paid them to do a job and they did not do it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, is there... At this point, now that you've represented yourself and let's say you meet someone who is now about to go and get a lawyer, what advice would you give them? Please be careful and research and investigate mm -hmm. and be aware of what's supposed to be happening when you go into the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, to me, court, family court is like a play. Mm -hmm. It's like a bunch of actors that participate in a play. When you think one thing is happening, something else is actually happening. And wow. when you leave out of there, if you don't act within a couple of days, yeah. that's law. The judge is gonna sign that order and, that, and it's gonna be what that is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. We are going to talk about supports. Um, I know we hit on the courts already um, and for everyone to be careful, to ask questions, to um, ask for copies, right? Anything that you sign, anything that you submit, ask for copies and keep it. Okay, um, so let's talk about where you met him. Um, because I didn't ask that question. So go ahead. I was working full-time and I met him as I was working part-time. Okay. Because I was already a parent mm -hmm. and I was a single parent doing my thing, doing exactly what I needed to do. But at that time I was vulnerable. 
Okay. So at that time you were vulnerable, you were dating, um, and you both were of the same faith? Supposedly. Yes. I'll, I'll let you expound. Supposedly, because a lot of times when some people find women or men in church, they'll go on with that facade or whatever you want to call it because that person is kind of vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's not who, really who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I'm a PK and growing up in church, um, there's been plenty of women um, and some men who have always been in church, never married. Um, And over the years, I would say that's the perfect playground for someone who um, is already a violent partner because you have women who are hopeful, who are vulnerable um, and waiting, right? And so as long as you present this representative, um, it's easy for, you know, the whole church to be excited about this person because God finally sent you someone, right? And so it makes you feel as if I can't say anything because now everybody's going to look at start looking at you like he's a good man savannah like no y'all don't understand that something's wrong i can't pinpoint it but something's wrong and if we're all supposed to have the holy spirit then yes i would hope that you all would back me up and say well if you feel like something's wrong then take a step back if you feel like there's something wrong then you know have a conversation with him and just say you want to be friends for now whatever to give yourself that space but unfortunately it sometimes is encouraged or people are making you feel like uh, you just been single so long that you don't know when a, a good man is in front of your face. And so you begin to close yourself in, right? You begin to isolate yourself, your feelings, your thoughts, and you're like, well, let me just go with it because um, I'm already being talked down. Um, people are not on my side, they're on his side. And so you feel like you got to continue with it, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm going to let you say whatever you need to say in in respect of that. That's correct, because at the time when I was married, I've only been married once. I was in church, and I was that vulnerable person at that time. I was very vulnerable. Yeah. And I let my emotions control a lot of things I was doing, so that was my mistake. Yeah. It's, it's It's a tough, a tough place to be in like we said um if you know you need to take a step back take a step back um safety plan have that in place did you file a restraining order i was denied two or three times in chester county family Mm. court so i'm glad that i'm alive today yeah yeah i i was granted a restraining order in another county that's on record too but i was denied I never thought a restraining order would be denied. And honestly, if you've never had to file one, you don't know what's being asked of you and that it even needs to be approved. I thought a a restraining order, once you give details and it's documented, that it would automatically be approved. So what exactly happened? Did they say why it was denied? 
because of the lack of legal representation in family court. Family court is not an open court. Mm-hmm. In most cases, you have a lawyer that's representing you. Yeah. They speak for you. Mm. The lawyer was supposedly speaking on my behalf and the judge made the decision to say your request for a restraining order is denied. And that means that they were basically endangering my life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what they were doing by breaking the law and endangering my life. And I would like to make note of this also. I always like to expound on the fact that South Carolina is number six in the nation for domestic violence. Wow. Number six. Number six. Okay. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. We are going to end this episode on this note, and we're going to come back to you with part two. Just hang in there with us as we continue this conversation with Miss Evelyn Hempfield. Hempfield.